You're listening to the Thread Wellbeing Podcast, where we speak with new thought leaders about their sole purpose. In this series, A Call to Rise, our guests speak from their raw and vulnerable space and share with us their courage to triumphantly overcome obstacles as they visualize an abundant future. This series contains topics that may cause discomfort to audiences. At any point, if these episodes do so, know you can choose to exit at any stage and reach out to professional lines for help. Tonight, we're excited to present to you Casey Corbin. Casey is a motivational and transformational new thought leader and speaker, a teacher, author, and business coach, and founder of Moving Mountains Motivation. Casey is coming to us all the way from Georgia, Atlanta. Welcome, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. It is indeed a pleasure and it is an honor to be here with you. I have been thinking about this all week. I'm just on the edge, uh, on the edge of my seat, just super excited for this opportunity to share with Catherine, yourself, and with the viewers, the listeners. So thank you so much for having me. Well, we're very excited to have you here. We understand that it is your evening there um, and you are looking into the future here. So you're quite a few hours behind. <laughs> so we are coming to all of our listeners from the past and having Casey share his story. Thank you, Casey. My pleasure. Absolutely. So Casey, we really are truly so excited that you'll be sharing with us over the next um, hour or so that we have you. Um, now, one of the main uh, inspirations for having you on was through the thread, we've had some pretty, actually all of them, all of the speakers have been truly amazing and truly inspirational in their own right. And we've all journeyed through this time of, of COVID and a time of struggle. And now that the world is sort of starting to step back into what we don't actually know, we don't know what this world ahead of us is going to look like. And, you know, mm. really every day we don't know what the world is going to look like. So, mm. but it is a, a stepping stone. It is a road to recovery that we're building within ourselves and that we're building for the world around us and you and your story is this embodiment of where you have come from and where you are now so I wondered if you would give us the pleasure of please sharing a bit of your journey absolutely it would it would be my pleasure I am Casey Corbin of Moving Mountains Motivation where we help people build better lives from the inside out. And I always love to impress upon you that you have infinite potential. Not only the potential to be doing that, but the infinite potential to be more, do more, and have more. And I love to make this interactive right here. If you would just touch yourself up somewhere on your body as a point of contact and just make this affirmation with me. I have infinite potential. I have infinite potential. I have infinite potential. Yes, I do. I love to help people. 
help themselves through motivation, inspiration, and by encouraging people to embrace and engage the powerful, powerful process of personal transformation because I believe in the power of people. I want to use that last phrase, I believe in the power of people in sharing the beginning of my story with you. I was born into conditions of poverty to a single mother. I was raised primarily by this single mother and by two grandmothers. I didn't, the only thing I put into life, because this is what I learned, was just enough to get by. And sadly, that's all I got out of life, just enough to get by. I struggled in school. It was hard because there was no self-confidence. I had no self-confidence. My self-esteem was very low. My self-image was completely shattered because of the poverty that I was born into. Now, the poverty was a story. I was born into a story. And for the first six years of my life, what I did not realize is that for every year, these, these, I, I was, these, this story that I was born into was actually beliefs. It was a belief system that I would one day, between age zero to six, come to accept, not because of anything that I imposed upon myself, but because during that period, that formative period, that developmental period of any person's life, my mind was being conditioned. I was being programmed to the poverty that I was born into. And I think the, the key to understanding my story is this. Poverty can be seen, heard, tasted, touched, and smelled. It has a character to it. There are characteristics to poverty. There are qualities to poverty. Again, you can see it, you can hear it, you can taste it, you can touch it, and you can smell it. Well, this is what I was conditioned in. With this poverty came ideas of lack and limitation. However, I found out later on that there's only abundance. But in the poverty, I was conditioned and programmed with ideas and thoughts of lack and limitation. Like there was, you know, there's not enough for anyone to go around. Also, poverty has a certain image about it. What is that? Poverty. You know, lack and limitation. Um, conditions of what I would call disempowered, yeah, disempowered conditions. Conditions of rundown home, community, impoverished Impoverishment. You can hear poverty. This is interesting. Again, this is what I was conditioned with. Poverty has a way of trying to squeeze $50 out of 50 cents. Now, in this condition, you're going to run into arguments in the family which stem from fear. How many heads is characterized by fear? which stem from stress. There's a lot of stress in poverty, which 
stems from anger. There's a lot of anger that comes with poverty. And not understanding or not knowing where your next meal is going to come from. Or how I'm going to feed my children. How am I going to put clothes on my back? How am I going to get them? How am I going to purchase shoes for them to wear? You can see it. You can hear it. You can taste it. Uh, now, for listeners in Australia, you may not know what I mean by this, but I want to share it with you anyway. Poverty tastes like fried bologna. <laughs> if you know what I mean by that, but it tastes like a can of pork and beans. <laughs> It tastes like grits with no salt, with no pepper. I mean, the food is bland, it's blah, blah, blah. You can see it, you can hear it, you can taste it, and you can touch it. You can touch the crime that's involved with poverty. You can touch the violence that comes along with poverty. You can touch the depression that comes along with you can touch the bondage that comes along with poverty. You can see it, hear it, taste it, touch it, and it has a distinctive smell. I don't know if any of the listeners or have ever experienced this, but this is, and I have to laugh when I say this, but poverty stinks. <laughs> it has a smell. It is repulsive, you know, and so it, it's it's something that. I mean, you, you don't ever want to smell again. And so I described it that way to tell you in my story, and this is a story that I bought into. I thought that my life would always be this way. And I had no reason to think any other way because during the formative years of my life, my subconscious, my, the conscious section of my mind was not developed. So I could not reject any thought or any idea or anything that was passed down to me in poverty. My subconscious mind just received it and soaked it in. And so I thought this was my life. And I was suffering from possibility blindness. I thought it was virtually impossible for me to change my story or my, my way of living or to even improve my life because I'm pretty much sold now that this is the way that life is and this is the way that life is going to be. And I lived my life from that false understanding. Wow, I have never heard anyone explain poverty in the way that you have. The fact that there are characteristics and taste and your explanation of that allowed us to truly feel and connect to that world um yes. so many things in what you just said from a um out of an interest point of view there are no grits in australia we don't have grits so <laughs> for our listeners who don't know what grits are it's probably like soggy wheat picks i would say <laughs> soggy oats with salt and pepper um but casey I mean, I've had the honour of knowing you for about a year now and yeah. um, knowing you, I would never have known this was your story. I've seen you in class, I was, you know, um, I hear you speak, I listen to your Facebook Live, 
you articulate in such a way and you know you are an avid reader to hear you say earlier on that you struggled in school just surprises me because there's like that element where yeah. i don't see that in you at all and off air we were just talking about some recent results that you received and they were quite elite results so yeah. <laughs> i'm like how did you struggle at school like but what you're sharing with us is that you don't have to live the story so your story that you were born into no longer is the story that you have created for yourself you've picked up the pen and you've mm -hmm. changed a very different way of writing the outcome of your life yes. um, and particularly in where you are now could you share with us um, and with our listeners what that takes like how do you move from an environment where that is what you feel is normal and you don't see a way out how do you move mm. from there to where you are now because looking at you and anyone who meets you now would never have that impression that that was your story it's like you've lived two very different lives absolutely uh Teresa. two very different lives and i mean as different as night and day how how do you how do you make that transition? How do you come out of that? How do you how does one get themselves out of that kind of wreck, uh, that kind of life, that kind of lifestyle that was imposed upon you know, children? Lives are imposed upon children. We didn't. We don't create our formative years for ourselves. We receive that from the families that we're born into and we're given for adoption. We receive that from the adoptive parents or or so forth and so on. How did I do it? I wanted something different. Now I'm not going to make this sound like you know so sweet. It takes courage. It takes courage in the midst of a negative condition, a negative circumstance, a negative story, a life of virtually impossibilities that are staring you in the face or a mountain that seems insurmountable or immovable and intimidating, like, you know, hey, I'm in your face and I'm not moving. How? How, how does one get this? It takes courage to want something And then you have to have stick it to a tennis to know that I want it. And as Les Brown said, it's not over until I win to know that it takes a wherewithal. It takes guts to dig down deep. I want to experience something else. It takes having the ability to not live out of your history, but live out of your imagination. Ah, how did I do it? I had to, what we would call the grind. I had to begin to think for myself. It takes a thinking person. 
write this story, it takes a thinking person to grab the pen of the of the life to write the end at that chapter, flip the page and start another chapter. It takes having coming to yourself and saying, I'm not struggling like this that this is no longer going to be my experience. It takes understanding that you create your own reality, that your life, your conditions, and your circumstances didn't just happen. They came through you. It didn't just happen to you. It happened through you. It takes the courage to accept that no matter what it is, Casey, no matter what your life is currently, own it. Own it. I mean, own it. Take full responsibility because it didn't come through anyone else. It came through you. And then it takes courage to stand up to yourself. Oh, my God. I, 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 I love this because... With this, I, I love to use the analogy that the greatest fight, and I used to fight a lot coming up as a little boy in the neighborhood. I used to get into fights all the time. Well, I gave my mom all kinds of trouble. But the greatest fight I've ever had was to stand in the ring with myself and to know that on one side of the ring, this is me, my current self, my current life. On the other side of the room, my opponent are greater and greater versions of myself. Now, who's going to win this fight? It all depends on who you fuel and who you feed the most. What we focus on the longest becomes the strongest. It all depends on fight you know life is a fight for territory and the moment you start fighting for what you want what you don't want will automatically take it it takes its place it takes a good fight of faith and 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 i'll i'll share that with you but yeah that, those are some of the things that took it, it's hard it's not easy it's not easy because you have to recondition yourself you have to reprogram yourself you have to retrain your mind to serve you you have to rewire the synapses in your brain you have to rewire your neurology you have to go in and you have to live again i love the um the analogy of of standing up to yourself because there is you know and and I'm pretty sure that anybody who went to school and was um, came across a bully in school, you know, there is a bully who's might be taller than you, might be stronger than you. And, you know, until you stand up to that bully, there is, uh, there's fight in you, you know, yes. that no, I'm not going to take this anymore. And mm -hmm. then there's almost a mutual respect that comes from being able to stand up to that and to face it and to yes. go, you know what, I'm, I'm worth more than this. But wondering with, you know, I mean, you talk about coming from this condition that was, that you were born into and this poverty that you were born into and then 
this skin that you knew and then going through and standing up to yourself, breaking through from that skin and stepping into what you wanted and that mm -hmm. transitional phase, as you said, like takes so much courage. What was the point where you were like, I've got to break through. I've got to get to that other side. I've got to get rid of that. Mm. What was that point for you? Living a life beneath the values that my mother and grandmothers gave me. When, when, when that reality hit me that, hey, look, it, it doesn't matter that you were born into poverty. Listen, you receive some values in life from your mom and you receive some values in life from your grandmothers, both grandmothers and the grandfather that I, that I only, that, that I knew, the only grandfather I, I've ever known. When the light went off, when it hit me, I wasn't raised like this. What am I doing? You know, my mama didn't raise me like this. My, my grandmother didn't raise me like this. What, what do you mean? Our behavior had become toxic. It had become toxic. And it, it, it became more than I could bear. And that's what led me to make some bold decisions. And it, oh, that was painful alcoholic it was painful and so Catherine it would be the pain that I was experiencing from low-level living the pain I was experiencing from causing my mama pain grandmother um, grandmother's pain and the pain that I was experiencing from causing myself pain, all kinds of unnecessary drama and stress and living a life where I know that I, I, I do better but I'm doing better, and it was that pain. The pain that I was bringing upon my family name, you know, and the pain that I was bringing to my community, the pain that I was bringing to my church, you know, because when they heard my name, it wasn't nice. It was, and, and people knew that, that I, I could be better in life that I needed to know. And it was that pain that pushed me to my passion. The passion of wanting to, because I, I was living a be nothing, do nothing, have nothing life. The pain pushed me to the passion to want to be something, the passion to want to do something, the passion to want to have something. And as Teresa was saying earlier, you know, I, I didn't like school. I was put back in the 10th grade. I failed the 10th grade. And I didn't, I, I wasn't promoted. I didn't graduate to the 11th grade. The pain and the embarrassment of failing the 10th grade and not being promoted and graduated to the next grade with my classmates. The pain of not knowing who I was. And I have no sense of identity. The pain of not having a sense of purpose, a sense of direction. I didn't have any goals, any dreams, any aiming points. I, I had nothing. 
pain of not loving myself. I didn't know what love was. I, the pain of not valuing or respecting myself. And so I was at a very low point. And those are the things, Catherine, that pushed me to say, hey, 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 hold, wake up. And, you know, there's a saying over here, and maybe you've heard it, maybe you have it, that it says, you know, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you'll do something about it. And there's a funny story. There was a dog. There was a passerby. There was this house and there was a passerby. And there was a dog laying in the porch. And every time the passerby came by the house, he would just hear the dog. Every time he passed by the house. <laughs> and the dog would just be moaning. And so he decided one day that he was going to stop to ask the owner, why is this dog moaning and groaning like this? And the man said, because he's laying on the nail. <laughs> and the passerby asked and said, well, why won't he get up? And the man said, it's not hurting him bad enough. And so in life, I found myself just moaning like that dog. <laughs> People on the outside looking at my life, looking in would be like, why don't you just change? Why don't you just change your thinking? Why don't you just change your conditions, change your circumstances? And the answer would be, it's not hurting me bad enough to do anything about it. Then the pain set in, and that's when I changed. Casey, you make some um, really important points there, is that then the pain set in. And I know that we've had the opportunity to talk about your story. Um, and would you like to share about when that, what that pain looked like? Would you like to articulate with us what was that pain? Because in this case, it wasn't just solely your pain. That too. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was also the pain of my daughter, and she was at an age of six months, six months old, where she really couldn't experience the emotional pain that I was experiencing from an incident. Let me walk you into this. I became a drug and alcohol addict. And I learned that this is something that you call becoming a volunteer victim. Yeah. I volunteered to be a victim. Nobody made me, nobody forced me to do this. I volunteered to be a victim. Now, when I drank coming up, I got to the point in my life when I used to drink. I didn't just drink socially. It wasn't a social thing for me. I always drank to get drunk. I didn't just drink to get drunk. I drank to pass out. And I didn't just drink to pass out. I drank to the point of not having a memory about the night's events. Is that possible? Very possible. I did it so much until it became the norm. Until people had to tell me Ask me the next day, Casey, do you know what you did last night? What do you mean? And they would tell me, like, I threatened to kill people. 
I threatened to shoot people while I was in this state. Um, I threatened to fight people. One lady told me she knew me in the neighborhood, in the community. <laughs> so funny, now that I'm thinking about it, I have to laugh so I won't cry. But she said, she told me, she said, Casey Corbin, you don't need another drop of alcohol in your, I'm going to tell your mama. And I'm like, what did I do? She said, you were so drunk. You lay down in this busy street asking cars to run over you to kill you. She said, do you realize what you were doing? She said, and you wouldn't get up. You fought everybody who tried to come get you up. And so I'm sharing all that to say this, yes, this was horrible. And I'm sharing all that to say this. I will have these episodes of drinking and using drugs, smoking marijuana, using cocaine, taking acid, taking sheets of acid, putting it under my tongue until I would just get to the point where I couldn't remember who I was, where I was, what I was, or what I was doing. And I thought it was cool. So I would have these episodes where I, I just had no idea. Until one incident, when I got into it with my daughter, who was six months old at the time, her mom, who had a little domestic struggle, a domestic dispute. Well, in the process, I learned that my daughter got hurt. Her arm was twisted, her leg was twisted, it was fractured. And they told me that, that I did it, that I had done that. And I didn't remember. I didn't remember everything. And it didn't hit me that night. It hit me the next day after I had sobered up. When my daughter's mom came to me and she was crying, she said, okay, she said, oh my God, she's like, Amber, that's my daughter's name. Um, my daughter's here with me today as my she's working right now. She's at work. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful 25-year-old young woman. We have an amazing father-son, father-daughter relationship. I love her, she loves me, and she has actually forgiven me, which means so much to me. Oh, man. Um but yeah, and so she was crying saying, and saying that Amber can't move. We have to take her to the hospital. And that's when the authorities got involved. And when the authorities got involved, the detectives got involved and questioned. They wanted to know because a baby was involved, what happened to this baby and who did it? And I was so scared I lied. I lied for about six months. Until I find I couldn't take it anymore, and I, I told the truth. I accepted full responsibility, and I said that I remember some. I don't remember everything, but I'm the one. I'm the responsible. I did it. It was me. I accepted full responsibility. 
So because of that, I had to serve a sentence in prison. And it was the pain of what happened to my daughter, Teresa and Catherine. The pain of, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe this has happened. You know, it's one thing to get so drunk that you don't remember that you laid down in the street asking cars to run over you to kill you. But then it's another thing to harm a child. She didn't ask for that. And I brought my daughter into my addiction involuntarily. She didn't volunteer for this. I brought her into it. I wish I could change that. It's now, it was, it, I use it now as a defining moment for my life, something that I pivot off of. It was an event that inspired me to make a change. It was an event that inspired me to seek transformation. I needed it. And I needed it like right then, right there, like yesterday, last week, last month, last year. And so, Teresa, it was that. And not only to mention that, I shared earlier on an interview that I was doing friends. I, and this happened during the same time period. I was doing drugs with one of my friends and he died. He died. And it was three of us. He died. And I remember seeing him. We were there sitting at the table using cocaine when his head went back and he was struggling to breathe, trying to catch air. And he came too. None of us thought anything about it, so we started back using. And we were in my apartment. Everybody left. I put Derek home. I think I remember driving to take him home. And I took, well, my friend lived uh, a building over from me, so he walked to his place. And in an hour, he was gone, his heart burst. I'm an overdose. And so those things pushed me into the passion. Well, thank you, Casey. That's you're, as you said, you know, that there's this pain and this uh, such a time of your life that just held so much pain. And yes. I'm curious now with using that pain to help be that motivator to transform. Mm. What can you walk us through that? Because as you said before, courage, like, wow, you're going against a lot of stuff here. You're pushing yeah. through that boundary, but you right. know that there is something on the other side. That is mm -hmm. less painful. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. I, I love to share this part of the story because it gets a little better. <laughs> and this is when, you, you know, my mentor, Les Brown, his mother was his first mentor. And I would have to say that my mom became my first mentor. I shared on an earlier interview today that 
guy by the name of Greg Shepard was my first mentor. But sorry, Greg, you would have to be number two. So <laughs> my mother was my first mentor. <laughs> and Catherine, this pain pushed me to my mom. Not to God. Not to the church. Not to anyone else. It pushed me to my mama. I don't know how y'all said in Australia, but my mama. It pushed me to my mama, man. Listen. And I went to her for help. And I was earnestly and honestly seeking help because I felt like I was sick. I needed help. Mama, help me. You know, please, please help me. And so the story was, we were outside in my mama's backyard and we were getting high, just balling, having a good time and we were drinking. So I decided I'm going in the house. I'm going to get the keys. Man, we're going to hit the town. We're going to paint the town green and red and blue and purple and white and black and yellow. So, <laughs> so I went inside to get the keys. I left the guys in the backyard. I got inside the house. I stood in the threshold of my mama's bedroom door. I said, mom, she said, yes. I said, Mama, I said, Mama, I need some help. I'm supposed to be asking for the car keys. Mama, I need some help. She said, what is it, baby? I said, Mama, I'm sick. I said, I'm on drugs, I'm using. I'm not taking care of my kids. And all the money that I get, I said, Mama, I feel like I'm, I'm losing it. I feel like if I keep going, I'm going to die. Mama, just can you just help me, please? Just, just please help me. What, what do I need to do? And she came, she got, she was laying on her bed. She got up out of her bed, came to where I was, and she embraced me and she just hugged me and she started crying. And of course, it's led me to start crying. So now I'm crying. We're just sobbing and uh, what a release and what a relief to get that off, to get it out. And so what she did was, she, this is what she said to me, I want you to come to Bible study with me on Wednesday. Yes, ma'am. And I did. I went to Bible study. And it was that experience that Bible study. From, from that point, that I have never looked back. This has been 25 years ago. I never looked from that Bible study until today. Was it easy? No, because I went through a process of, uh, I went through detox. Now, I went cold turkey. This was hard. I didn't go through a process of you know, being weaned off and or having to take drugs to be weaned off of cigarettes and marijuana and alcohol and cocaine. I just uh, this is the only thing I, I know to do, and I, I wanted to change so bad. So. 
I went through periods of waking up with a hangover, not having touched any drugs, not having drank any alcohol. And I did this for a period of two to three weeks. I would wake up with hangovers where you could smell the alcohol in my body coming out of my pores, out of my mouth where I had headache after headache after headache, excruciating, painful headaches. I didn't know what I was doing. What I later learned was that's the worst way to get off drugs. That's the worst way to, to free yourself from being an alcoholic. I didn't know any better, but I wanted to quit. So that, I think it was spirit inspired, I would have to say, because again, I'm supposed to be asking for the keys. It's something deep down inside of me, I touched that part that I felt I needed help. I needed help and, and I saw my mama as the only way out. And so she became my savior. And I mean this literally for the Christians that may be listening, she became my savior in that moment. So my mama saved me and also reading saved my life. And that's, that's my testimony as well. Uh, my mama saved me and how reading saved me so that I would never go back. Casey, I know that um, you've probably taken this story a lot deeper than you perhaps thought you may. And um, there's some yeah. information you shared here that I haven't actually heard. And I'm so grateful for you to, to give us that deep understanding because your story helps others realize that they can get out of whatever darkness they're in. Um, full credit to your beautiful mum. Now, could you share with me what her first name was, is? Mary. Yes, Mary. so for the Christians out there, Mother Mary, <laughs> I just want to take that back to just how powerful a mother's love actually is, okay? Her yes. love for you, her unconditional love for you. Mm -hmm. um, showed you a way out you know and it may not be the way out for everyone but it was the right. way out for you it and was. that's really important to note is that being able to be open and honest with her knowing that her love is there regardless mm -hmm. um was the first step owning owning that owning the addiction owning where you're at right. and in that ownership came the help that you needed and yes. you know just knowing who you are now and seeing what a motivational inspirational leader you are mm. the beauty about you though is that you're not sharing or teaching from what a textbook has said or from years you know at uni where you are just reading how to cope with certain conditions You've actually lived the experience, which makes it real, which makes it approachable on all angles. And I can see while, why you have the successes that you have now, because you know, you know every excuse you can give yourself. You know the way out of it. You've lived the hard yards out of it. And now you're, you are motivating and sharing from other, with others. 
Now, what I um, was most intrigued about you when I first met you was just the name of your business, Moving Mountains Motivation. I remember like thinking, Moving Mountains, like who moves mountains? How does that work? <laughs> As I've gotten to know you, your, your company name has really started to formulate itself. Okay. Expression. Would you like to share more about, and, and am I right, is that, is that the correlation between your company name and your life? Is that what you're trying to show the world in the way that you work? Absolutely. There's a passage in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, which says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. This is also for the ladies. That he shall have whatsoever he says. That's from the master teacher that they call Jesus. In the Bible, Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 23. The first time I read that now, I'm reading that in my sobriety. I'm reading that during incarceration. And it hit me. <sighs> Moving mountains? Whosoever shall say to this, I can move mountains. Now, let me tell you <laughs> how, how naive I was in the very beginning. I'm thinking of an actual literal mountain. So <laughs> I was just like, I can move a mountain, oh my God. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> so, but the mountain was a limiting, to me, today I understand it as limiting beliefs, challenges, struggles, things that are intimidating, things that seem insurmountable, things that seem immutable, you know, like uh, unchangeable. Things that seem like they will never, ever be removed out of your life. That they're always going to be here. And when I began to get that understanding, I'm like, moving mountains. And I started playing with the name because it was first moving mountains enterprises. Moving mountains enterprises. And it stayed moving mountains enterprises for years. And then it hit me. What really helped me to move mountains was motivation. First person of motivation in my life was Les Brown. And this man, the first thing I heard that motivated me was that if you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for, to work day and night for, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for, if all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, and if you would gladly sweat for it, expect for it, and plan for it, and lose all of your fear, or terror, or the opposition for it. And if you simply go after the thing that you want with all of your capacity, strength and sagacity, faith, hope and confidence and stern pertinacity, if neither cold, poverty, famish or gaunt, sickness nor pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want, if dogged and grim you besiege and beset it, with the help of God, you'll get it. Oh, that thing motivated me. <sighs> Oh, so 
that's where I got my inspiration from for for moving mountains. That just 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 to to hold the concept in my mind that I could move mountains, and now to know that I could move mountains of these experiences, the mountains of circumstances, the mountains of conditions in my life. And yeah, Teresa, that's 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 what did it. And if you listen to what he was saying, the master teacher, he said you can do it with your words, which is why I love affirmations, which is why I'm always affirming I am health, I am wealth, I am happiness, I am love, I am peace, I am prosperity, I am good success, I am infinite money, I am joy. You know, just, I'm always affirming because I understand the vibratory force of words. That when we speak, we release a mighty vibration into the universe. When we speak, there is a limiting belief you want to replace that you want to find it remove it and replace it with an empowering belief and so here it is again all of my christian brothers and sisters and i came up in the church now here so but it is this words became my savior words i was able to use the power of words save my life so that I would not abort my purpose and die a premature death. As you were sharing that quote from Les Brown, I could feel this force of this, you know, I mean, I was like drawn into the screen just then <laughs> of this, this motivation. And, you know, it's the words that you just shared that did that. It's that energy of hearing those words that, mm. that make you want to move and get up and take charge yes. and own your life. Yeah. Yes. So yes. just hearing you share that is like gold to my ears and to, mm. I'm sure to the listeners' ears as well. Through moving mountains, what do you truly hope people who come to that will grasp from your work? That if I can do it, they can do it. And that it... it it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. It doesn't matter the condition, the circumstance. It can be as horrendous or as bad as you relatively think it can. And it, it absolutely doesn't matter. What do I mean by that? In the runaway uh, film, documentary, The Secret, that can feel made a very powerful statement. He said, you know, people talk about, you know, or I grew up without a father or I grew up without a mother or I was given away, you know, into adoption. And he said, that's just called so what? So what? Everybody has a story. You know, the question is, what are you going to do about it? You know, <laughs> We all have challenges and we all have things that we want to change and that we want to improve upon. And, and we all of us have a pen in our hands. What are you going to do about it? 
And so that's what I would say, Catherine, that if I could do it, anybody can do it. And are you telling me, Casey Corbett, that words actually turned everything around for you? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That words, I was able to use the vibration of words. I was able to use the power of words. I was able to use the force of words. I was able to use the energy of words. I was able to use creative words because you have to get creative with it because we're all writing our own lives, our own stories. We create our own reality. And so I was able to use my voice to change my story. And if I could do it, put back in the 10th grade, if I could do it, I made all kinds of F's and D's. I don't know what your um, academic scale is like over there in Australia, but I failed class after class after class after class. I was in remedial classes after remedial class after remedial class. And I began to think that something was wrong with me, that I couldn't learn, that I wasn't school material. If I can do it, who happened to graduate at the bottom of his class, and I graduated in summer school. I didn't get the chance to put on a cap and gown. I didn't get the chance to walk across the stage. If I can do it, someone who struggled with drug and alcohol addiction and who was born into conditions of poverty, if I can do it, someone who made an absolute mess of their lives, if I can do it, someone who thought their situation was virtually hopeless, you can do it. Casey, and to all of our um, listeners out there, um, you only actually see Rev Casey's face on this screen. If you could see Catherine and I in the background, we are just in total awe of this gentleman, in total awe of his story. And Casey, and I just want to share with everyone, I've actually got your book. Your, so this this is a book written. This is one of two, or maybe three now. Anyway, this is one, one of two. That I, one of three. I have two of them. But let me tell you, listeners, this is from this amazing gentleman that you're all listening to. And in this particular book, there are ten esoteric truths that uh, Casey goes through, and each one will speak to you. And it, it is amongst all of the teachings that we constantly have heard over these years. And what I love with how you've placed these. Um, Casey, is that, you know, you speak it from your personal perspective, but you have your own affirmation in each one. And then you mm -hmm. quote amazing um, authors as well and, and, and inspirational teachers for you. Um, yes. Yeah, I thoroughly love this book. Like if you talk about Napoleon Hill in here. Uh, you, there's so yeah. many amazing, amazing ones. When I first saw this book, we hadn't actually birthed the concept of the thread yet. And I just knew I wanted somehow to get you onto our Australian screens. I didn't know what, how it was gonna happen, but that is this, and we will put this reference in. But I just wanted to let people know that this is, this is your story now. Like this is who you are. Yes. You're no yes. longer, the story that you've had and the past that you've had is so important as laying that foundation of knowing who you were but also the bouncing board of where you were going. And I know that you've also got another brilliant book called The Rich and Unlimited Root of My Being, which is an e-book, yes. which yes, I e thoroughly enjoyed. Could you please yes. share um, with us on that? 
And then I also want you to share, please, on Wake Up to the God in You, your morning sessions that you have. Um, If you could talk to us about both of those, please. Absolutely. The rich and unlimited root of my being came from a place inside of me that says, I will never be broke again another day in my life. (laughs) And, And so... Uh, the rich and unlimited root of my being is that which we call, which most people call God. And you will find this life, this force, this source energy, this creative source, this creative power inside of you, which is why I call it the root of my being. You'll find, uh, may the force be with you. You will find (laughs) this universal presence, this universal power, this universal intelligence at the root, the very core of your being. Now, the book is practical. I made it very practical. Again, I was able to change my life with the power of words. The entire book is an affirmation. Every sentence is an affirmative truth that you can use and that you can work to attract unlimited money. Now, I use very descriptive terms in the book when I talk about money. I use words like infinite. I use words like unlimited, limitless, inexhaustible wealth. I use words like riches. I use words to describe riches like in a simile, the river of the rich river of prosperity. And I use words like a cup. A cup is running over with all kinds of good. And I use descriptive terms like abundance describe money showers of money cascading money downpouring money torrential floods of money mushrooming money cup running over with money now i did that because we're dealing with the subconscious And the subconscious is not like the conscious section of the mind. It doesn't discern. It doesn't judge. It doesn't think. It just receives. And the more, this is is the reason behind the book, the more we can use descriptive, characteristic terms, qualities of money, we'll tap into the emotional section, the subconscious mind, the feeling section, And when we describe money in so many different ways, we begin to feel the energy, feel the vibration. And the subconscious says, okay, oh, now I see what she wants. Oh, oh, now, now you're talking to me. Come on, talk to me. Come on. Unlimited? Mm, Okay, yeah. Inexhaustible? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Showers? Oh, I see it. Cup cup running? Oh, yeah. Bursting at the scene? Mm, Yeah, you can feel it, you know? So it's a good book. It's very practical and you have to work it. It'll work for you if you work it. 
Kat was just wondering if you were definitely talking about money there. She's like, look at me. Is that money? Yes, it is money. <laughs> it is birth and it's creation. It is definitely money, Catherine. <laughs> it's money. And, and that's one of the things that you'll learn in the course that I give, the, the mini course and the master class, is that you have to approach money from, you have to treat money as a personality. You have to talk to money like it's a person, understand it like it's a person, love it like it's a person, become affectionate with it like it's a person, understand it as a person, describe it as a person. You have to make money fall in love with you. You have to make money become, you have to become attractive to money so that it will want to be around you, the energy of it. Not just the physical energy, but I'm talking about the raw, unformed energy of money. Make it love you. Make it, make it to the point where it can't stay away from you, that it's attracted to you, because it knows that you love it, you enjoy it, you enjoy using it. It, it knows that you understand that you're the master of money and that money doesn't master you. You you would definitely want a copy of that book. It's not a big book. But the, the impact of it is three things. Number one, in this book, you will learn how to walk onto the stage of your imagination. Number two, you will learn about the power of repetition and you will learn about the power of affirmations and i give six bonus tips at the end of the book which aid the actual process working the process of the book. Teresa asked about she wanted me to share with you all about what I do Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. here in the United States, Eastern Standard Time. And it's something that I call, wake up to the God in you. And that's all about waking up to your unlimited power. Yes, you have unlimited power. It's all about waking up to your infinite potential. Yes, you, you have infinite potential. It's about waking up to your higher self, your God self. It's about waking up to your divine self, waking up to your divinity. It's about waking up to your gifting, your talent, your ability, waking up to who you want to be, what you want to be, and what you want to have. Now, the interesting thing about wake up to the God in you is I'm not talking about a God someplace else, sometime else, somewhere else. I'm not talking about the God, the creator of the universe, the creator of the, the heavens and the earth. I'm talking about the God, you. Wake up to the God of you. What do I mean? Wake up to your personal power. Wake up to your divine mind power. Here's the premise behind Wake Up to the God of You and having a cup of morning motivation with Reverend Casey, by the way. And I always say, welcome. I welcome you to Wake Up to the God of You. And I want to thank you so much for having a cup of morning motivation with Reverend Casey. And I always start by asking, I say this, the best part to waking up is what's in your cup. What are you drinking? What are you sipping on? 
And I always share, you know, I sip on affirmations, I sip on meditation, I sip on reading, and I sip on prayer, and, you know, I sip on a lot of stuff. And I ask people, you know, what are you, what are you drinking? When you got up this morning, what did you put in your cup? What are you sipping on? How are you starting your day? Because it's important how we start our day. If you can win the morning, there's a very powerful book I'm reading called Morning Motivation Millionaire. I think that's the name of it. Morning Motivation Millionaire. And it talks about the importance of the morning. It talks about the importance of winning your morning. And so I say, if you can capture the first 20 to 30 minutes of your day, you can capture your day. And if you can capture your day, you can capture your week. And if you can capture your week, you can capture your week. It's a fight. You have to fight for it. <laughs> so the premise behind Wake Up to the God of You is understanding on an individual level, and please hear me on this. I want you to understand, understanding on an individual level that I am the God of my own experiences. On an individual level, please hear me, on an individual level, I am the God of my own experiences. Anything that I am experiencing, I am the God of my own experiences. Let me give you an example. To think is God. In my individual world, that's God. Because thoughts become things. And thoughts create our destiny, our reality. To speak is God on an individual level. When I speak, that's God. That's God in my life. My word is God in my world. My thought is God in my world. And when we wake up to the God in us, and when we understand this, that we're using God energy, God power, God substance, God faculties, God mind, when we wake up to that, the possibilities are endless. I just want to ask, I mean, you've, you've taken us on such a journey this morning through your story and through this incredible life that has, you've lived, you've learned, you've taught, you're still learning, you're still teaching, still, you know, yes. and I want to say, you, you, you mentioned in the beginning, the hardest thing to do is stand in front of a mirror and look at ourselves. And I want to ask you now, now when you stand in front of a mirror, what do you see? I see the God in me. And God, you sure look good on me. Yes. And so I'm able to see a reflection of the infinite. Yeah. And oh, what a difference that makes. Wow. What a difference. Wow. What a difference. Yeah, I can see myself for the first time. Like the real me, you know, and in my philosophy and brand and style of teaching, that's what it's that's that's what it's about. The truth of you, your true self. If you can stand in the mirror and see your authentic self, 
your true self, your higher self, your divine self, you're under something. You're doing something. And I say to you, stay right there and develop that, grow that. Casey, it has just been so wonderful having you on here. We've been fully engorged with everything you have shared. And I feel like you've just taken us on such a journey. We have had everything in this interview. We have had, you know, you. Um, all elements of life have really been presented to us here. And, you know, I just, I, I am confident that our listeners are going to love you as much as we love you and all that you're sharing. I want to have, I'm sure Kat is with me. We have sort of spoken about this offline before, but we're going to have you back on. We're going to have you back on live. Kat, I've just had like a Saturday night live. You know, we have a wake up this today. While here in Australia, when wake up to the God in you is happening, it is oh. our time, right? So I call that evening elevation, right? So that's yes. how yes. elevation. Yes. <laughs> so when you're waking up to your cuppa, I'm closing my night with my cuppa. <laughs> um, but I like to get online and I, I love listening to it and I love being able to support you and, and you know, and particularly your message. So also your masterclasses. So your new ebook that has just been released, you've got some masterclasses that are happening with that. Now yes. they're happening towards the end of September, is that right? Yes, September the 28th, 29th and 30th. Okay, yes. wonderful. Awesome. So it's a, is it how many hours is that? It is going to be an hour and a half per session. Perfect. Oh, yes. wonderful. We'll yes. put all those details as well. So we would love for anyone to connect to you. Um, they can do that via that. Um, and it's Casey Corbin. Is that your website? CaseyCorbin.com. Well? Yes. Oh, perfect. I just feel like we've had such an amazing wealth of personal sharings and amazing teachings. And I can see why you are known as that motivational and inspirational speaker because your story just allows everyone to dream that it doesn't matter where they're at mm. um, wherever they find themselves it takes that encourage it takes that courage and that will and that understanding yes. of the power of thought and the power of the word to really yes. be able to move from where they are and to dream and imagine where they are going and that's what i love and i was as you were using your words i'm like thinking it's like you have this love affair with the dictionary like I'm thinking you just easily articulate these words <laughs> and it's what i don't know if you know this and if it's intentional but your words ignite imagination so it's like every word mm. then takes you up yes. the elevator into this imagination which helps i'm assuming with bringing in what you're wanting to see in your world so mm -hmm. there have been so many words of wisdom shared here um and i yeah just can't stop bringing your praises i'm extremely grateful to you <laughs> thank you and Casey, I just want to say a massive thank you. It's been such a pleasure meeting you and hearing from you. And a few things that you've said today that I will take away is I have infinite potential. Yes. <laughs> I did it with a little bit of the accent too. You infinite did. potential. You did. You did. <laughs> Now, anytime I say that, I, you're, you, will, you will ring through my heart as well as me sharing that too. But I also want to say that you've um, truly shared what it means to be rich 
And that is something that I've truly got from today. And I, I've got to bless you for your courage and your humility and your endurance and your motivation and (laughs) all that you are Reverend Casey Corbin. I absolutely loved um, hearing from you today. Thank you so much. Oh, Catherine, the pleasure was all mine. It was a plum pleasing pleasure as well as a privilege. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you both, Catherine, Teresa. This has been amazing. And it has been healing and very therapeutic here uh, to share with you and to go as deep as I did um, share with the listeners and viewers and I truly truly pray that this message reaches someone time of need someone in who may be in despair you know and someone who may be struggling as I struggle maybe not in the same light that I struggle in but I hope this message just really impacts lives able to reach people on every 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 level they're able to take something some concept some story some truth some principle some affirmation that i share some laughter you know just to transform their lives thank you ladies so much 